Beetlejuice. 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 It's showtime. Welcome to the Beetlejuice Minute, where we discuss Tim Burton's Beetlejuice minute by minute. I'm your host, Julianne Fay, actress and owner of CinemaBliss.com, and my co-host today is Barry Rathbun. I am not an actress. I am more involved in the sound part of making movies. Happy Monday, everybody. Today, we're looking at minute number 62, when the Maitlands return to the attic and catch Beetlejuice just as he crashes his car into one of the model's streetlights. Beetlejuice throws a fit and decides he doesn't like the Maitlands, but he does like Lydia. Then Barbara tries to pick him up in her hand to berate him, but he grows spikes and drops into the model. And that's where I'm going to end the minute. We may discuss the the rest of the minute a little bit later. But first, let me introduce our special guest today. Hi. Chris Perez. Chris Webster. Webster. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's been married for years, guys. That's, that's okay. That's Every, all on me. Everyone does that. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't help that I have my, you know, old last name as my middle name on Facebook. So everyone <laughs> gets constant reminders that it was Perez. <laughs> So why don't we go ahead and get started? First, I want to give three cheers uh, to Adam for filling his model toy truck's carburetor full of water. And it's such an impressive steam plume that if you were to like, um, I don't know, reenact this in real life, I think it would go up, what, a thousand feet? Would it maybe touch the ozone layer? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot smaller when you see it in beetle scale yeah because <laughs> it's like yeesh, geysering <laughs> he does have the moon and the stars hanging above the model so i don't know if it would touch one of the <laughs> planetary <laughs> did you recognize the truck that he crashed i did not it is actually the same truck because obviously the model is the model of the town it's actually the same truck that you see uh the guys the, the fire truck next door to adam's uh hardware store that they're washing and waxing in the very beginning of the movie ah Sweet. I did not catch that. That's awesome. And it's also pretty impressive how way different the model looks when you're down in that scale because everything looks really fake, like really fake. And yet when you first see it in the opening of the movie, it's all nice and detailed. And and yeah, you almost don't realize maybe we should have been watching to see if it started out and it's gotten like progressively faker as the movie's gone on. Ooh, oh my gosh, a second watching at the end of the podcast, maybe. Maybe. Maybe we could have a, a total overall recap episode <laughs> or bonus episode. <laughs> well, I will, I do love that Lydia is described as Edgar Allan Poe's daughter, which of course made me have to go look up Edgar Allan Poe. And, um, he didn't have a daughter, but, uh, I will mention this is the second of two films that Tim Burton has mentioned Edgar Allan Poe's name in. Yeah, I would think he'd be a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Any guesses? Anyone? Anyone? The second one? Yeah, the other one. This is the hint. Beetlejuice was actually the second film, so it was a very early, early film of Tim Burton's that mentions Edgar Allan Poe. No, it's a short film he made oh, called Vincent. Ah. Oh, yeah. And people, yes, everyone's light bulb goes off because it's a DVD extra on um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He mentions, now that film, for those of you who don't know, uh, was an ode to Vincent Price. Because uh, uh, Tim Burton loved Vincent Price, but it's also written kind of like a poem. I mean, or a Dr. Seuss kind of thing, kind of rhymes or mm-hmm. whatever. And he mentions Edgar Allan Poe uh, in in that rhyme. Oh, and there's one other really weird tie. 
on Wikipedia at least. I know, I know. If it's Wikipedia. It must be true. I know. <laughs> but apparently Poe uh, made a living for a while as the co-editor of something called Burton's Gentleman's Magazine in the 1800s. Ah. I found that intriguing. <laughs> Somehow I don't think that's the kind of thing people would be like, Haha, let's make a fake knowledge yeah. thing for. Well, I think that would be right. You know, I have to say with with Wikipedia, I kind of feel like Wikipedia is kind of like Tumblr in a way in that it's very they're very good at self-policing. True, true. They, I'm not saying that there aren't people that go in there and just change things, just change things. Yeah, but... I think the Top Gear page might be one of the most changed pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it always seems to be something randomly different every week. Barry's our resident Top Gear watcher. Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's a grand tour. It's basically Top Gear still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something I, I noticed. Uh, well, not noticed, but. How did the beetle snake not hurt anyone? Yeah, because they they mentioned that. Yeah, Otho falls down the stairs, and Charles gets, like, dropped. Head dropped. Good point. Spoilers for later on in the week. We'll see he just has a little Band-Aid, and Otho doesn't seem to be hurt in the slightest. But uh, that... That looked painful. This well, is where reality versus Hollywood comes in, right? Yeah. Right. It's like well, Last Action Hero. Someone gets shot, and it's like, oh, no, he's fine. It's a flesh wound. I mean, do they count as people? Ooh. Ooh. Ouch. The deed says, ooh. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, you're, you're showing about as much concern for Otho as they did, because they're like, oh, Charles going to get hurt. I don't like him. <laughs> eh, forget the other guy. Otho's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's 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 shock absorbent. <laughs> oh. oh man, yeah. I guess it's kind of like they feel like a cart. It does feel like a cartoon scene, and you know, just like in the cartoon, you survive. Oh, ouch! What with that? Oh, Barry just made a hand gesture. Sorry, you can't actually see that. <laughs> made a hand gesture no, 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 of picking no. up. Yes, thank you. Beetlejuice. I didn't just make a hand gesture. It was <laughs> picking up Beetlejuice as if he was about to get stuck by Beetlejuice. Spikes. I love I love the uh, the floppy arm on the puppet that's going crazy. She picks him up. It's like. Well, and, you know, going going back to the height of things, dropping Beetlejuice, I mean, granted, yes, he's already dead, but <laughs> from the height that she dropped him at, and body proportion, I mean, he should have probably liquefied, right? Well, I mean, uh, he's, got, right? he's got the spikes to cushion his fall. Oh, yes. The spikes. <laughs> <laughs> to get caught in the very, very, very fake astroturf. Yes. I love that, though. I love the way he acts when he's trying to get out of it. There's something about his body movements that cracked me up. <laughs> when I was a kid, I did not understand that he was stuck, like that the spikes had stuck into the thing, because, you know... I guess suspension of disbelief, like oh, as yeah. a kid, I didn't think those spikes looked that sharp. They, I mean, you <laughs> they're know, a little floppy too. Yeah. They were really floppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure what happened was they just, I mean, because he's obviously not stuck because you don't see holes in the astroturf, so he's just kind of there flailing about. It's like <laughs> you want to retract the spikes at any moment. No, okay. After all, the he's thing. the one who stuck the spikes out in the first place. Yeah. He should be able to just <laughs> right back in. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's kind of one of those things that they didn't even have to necessarily show a practical effect for. They yeah. could have, they could have, in one of the cuts to another view, made a, you know, that noise. <laughs> 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 well, he has his own sound effects. Yeah. I mean, you can hear him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They could, they could have made that sound effect. The and, Foley guys had fun with this with movie. That, <laughs> <laughs> they definitely did. 
Oh, speaking up to that, let's see. That's right before he sees the brothel. He yeah, says he something. Hasn't, yeah, yeah, he, he hasn't noticed yet. anything yet. He hasn't. He hasn't talked about his. But his... he does. He does say, um, "Go ahead, make my millennium," which is a brilliant line because it just emphasizes, especially when you look at the Maitlands' faces. The Maitlands are stuck there for 125 years, and. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> to think Beetlejuice will be part of their life for 125 years. We have made a mistake. <laughs> yes. And that it actually is in the script, that line. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything else different in the script? Um, yes, actually. The there's there's a little bit more. Um, what's, what is this podcast rated again? PG. Well, <laughs> no, clean for iTunes <laughs> if we ever get it to iTunes. Uh, it's in the script, so I, so I can say it. Beetlejuice has has beat has run a beat up old pickup into a fire hydrant. He stands nearby, hopping mad. Nice <laughs> hopping. Shakes his fist at Adam. You pansy assed cretins! How dare you do that to me? So they actually toned down some of the stuff for the script because also he's a little bit more. Hey, I've been bottled up for six hundred years. Every dog has his day. This is my town. I need a night to howl. And then Adam says, "No, this is my town." To be Beetlejuice responses, "You wish I nearly scored with that little blonde. I need me a short little queen." So it doesn't mention anything about them being deadbeats or the fact. I mean, he's obviously implying implying Lydia in both instances, but it's it's a little more poetic. Yeah, see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also Barbara. When she does the, you leave her alone, and I don't know if the, they filmed it and they just edit it differently, but uh, in the script it has her finishing up with, you horrid little prick, to which, you know, pun, prick. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's about the only differences in this time. There are more differences much later in the week, but. Gotcha. Yeah, it's still amazing how um, dirtier the original script is. <laughs> well. Much. Back when this movie came out, was PG-13 a commonly used rating? We had a little bit of discussion on this. It was not. Um, it was a PG movie. PG-13 had come out. Like, they, they had PG-13s, but apparently they just didn't care. <laughs> so so they might have written the script originally with, like, a PG-13 rating in mind, and the studio went back and said you know, you're not going to be able to sell this to an older crowd. We need to appeal more to the kids. And they had to then, you know, tone it down. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if... While leaving in things. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've been listening to the minutes, uh, you'll know that the original script was more of a hard R. And, and and that happens a lot with Hollywood. You know, you write a script one way because you're thinking, I'm going to sell it this way. And then the studio goes, well, we don't know how to market it to what you perceive to be the target audience, but we can sell that to children. Yeah. <laughs> so I need you to take out all the F-bombs, all the GDs. <laughs> and then know. Michael Keaton just threw in two just for the... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on a tiny tangent because... Um, I know that both of y'all have seen this movie, and I know probably a lot of people have seen this movie, but the movie Pan's Labyrinth, mm -hmm. which is a rated R movie mm -hmm. starring a young child, and it's told from the young child's perspective, mm -hmm. and it's a foreign movie. I don't think it would have ever been made in America originally no. because the studios would have been like, who's this for? What audience is this for? We can't market it. And yet it did come out in America after it being a big hit. And mm -hmm. among all the, the people who have seen it, they all love it. Just a random thought about the whole marketing thing and, yeah. and how that changes things, yeah. especially in America. I have to say Hollywood, a lot of times I'm going to say it's lazy when it comes to marketing fantasy. Oh, yeah. and, and this is or marketing this, in general. Yeah. Well, and 
you know, a lot of Tim Burton's stuff is fantasy, and I'm I'm glad that he's gotten enough notoriety that he can basically say, I'm going to do this fantasy film, and they're like, yes, sir, Mr. Burton, thank you, uh, here's some money. Because, you know, if you look at a lot of the fantasy movies that you probably were familiar with as children, it's, you know, you're talking about Jim Henson, most of that was filmed in England, uh, Never Ending Story was it's filmed in Germany. Yeah. Um, obviously, and you know, that rated R movie, that's a fantasy movie, Pan's Labyrinth that was filmed in Spain, you know, because America, we just don't know how to deal with that whenever it comes to marketing. Um, and a lot of times, you know, that just has to get pitched overseas and to, to people that I guess are more comfortable with imagination. I'm, <laughs> I find that interesting, but yes, yeah. this country has a, an interesting relationship between trying to be saying that they're innovative, but then sometimes just squat squelching creativity, oh, I mean, and then then something really unique happens, <clears throat> La La Land, and um, and then they go and it's a big hit, and they're like, oh, we take credit for you know being imaginative country. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the other hand, then you get. Who's a lot like Burton in many many ways, uh, but very different in others. Uh, Del Toro's sort of filmography. You know, he's been trying to get Hellboy three made for how long now, and it just mm-hmm. won't happen because even though he makes all these great movies, like Crimson Peak, was kind of just a blip on the radar that not many people, the people who like who who saw it loved it. But mostly. again, people didn't know how to market it exactly. Yeah, yes. because it's it's a it's a story with ghosts in it, not a ghost yeah. story. But it, they marketed it like it was a horror film. And mm-hmm. that's where they failed. Like, as soon as I saw the previous, I was like, I am not interested because I don't do horror. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, if they had marketed it as a gothic romance, which is what mm-hmm. it actually was, yeah. I would have been, like, probably opening weekend. No problems. I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. Me but. too. I'm not a horror fan. And you know what drew me in? I, I confess, the I costumes. know this is shallow. Tom Hiddleston in that uh, in that Victorian garb, and I'm watching, and I was like, "Oh, I love it! It's a gothic romance. Thank God it wasn't a horror movie." Exactly, <laughs> with and horror elements. Confession: though. Still haven't seen it because oh. because Aaron hasn't been interested in seeing it. Uh. <laughs> You know, when, when you're married, you have to compromise. This is true. <laughs> well, the next time he's out of the house and you want to borrow it, we have copies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and tying it back to Tim Burton, of course, those of you who don't know, Tim Burton started off as a Disney animator mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to do with him. And he, I mean, <laughs> I think the one cutesy thing he worked on was Fox and the Hound, the very cutesy compared to Tim Burton stuff. Yes. And then for they were estranged for a long time until what, Frank and Weenie? Like for years. You notice most of his films are distributed by Warner Brothers. Right. Um, but for years I guess it was Frank and Weenie maybe when they went back to Disney or Disney said we'll Well uh, a movie. Nightmare before Christmas was, was that a uh, Disney was, movie? was a Disney release because okay. it's all yeah. over Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas uh does get lumped in with Disney a lot. But and, uh, and Burton the a lot. The interesting too. thing about it is is it's Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't direct it. Oh yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone thinks he did and he's like, Nope, they just slapped my name up there. Well, I mean, he produced and designed. Yeah. It was his characters it was his, and it everything. Was his baby, but yeah. someone else did the day by day because that was stop motion. Yeah. Now everything's computer animated, but someone had to. And it, it, was it Henry Selick? And, uh, yeah. 
um, had to move those little puppets day by day and change their little heads. If you've ever watched the DVD extras, their heads popped on and off with a different mouth expression. Yeah. Well, just watch any Leica movie at the end. They show a little behind the scenes stuff. (laughs) For those of you who don't know that obscure reference, that was Kubo and the Two Strings this year. And Coraline. And Coraline. And uh, Paranorman. They, they, they've also had a couple others. Uh, box Trolls? Box Trolls, oh, yeah. 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 Which I haven't seen. Well, I, I, haven't... Saw, I saw a behind-the-scenes video because, you know, Box Trolls, they, that takes place uh, in the sewers a lot, and they had to figure out how to make water. <laughs> Stop oh, motion. Nice. Oh, Water. Oh, oh, that must have been I, tough. I, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think Nightmare just has snow. Like, I don't think anyone yeah. really... Yeah. Well, there's there's snow, there's the, like, the swamp goo and stuff like that no. but that could all be thicker and easier to deal with like right. they they were mm-hmm. having to deal with like light reflecting off of the water and onto the walls and how do we mm. make that look like real water reflecting onto sewer walls i wonder if they got really really tired of doing all that because in kubo i'm pretty sure it's just cg yeah uh, the water at least everything else well, well what what they figured out they 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 created i if i remember the behind the scenes correctly they created the, these like mats that they shifted to mm. to look like you know so they were clear mats that kind of had the wave overlay so they there were like three or four of them that they would shift mm. to where it would look like constantly moving water without actually having to go tweak <laughs> it was move, move, move an entire sheet a centimeter as opposed to moving a whole bunch of little pieces oh, right. a centimeter. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, that just reminded me of, speaking of moving a centimeter, that just reminded me of, um, again, Nightmare Before Christmas, which now we take, in, we take for granted. But it used to be when you watch, like, uh, say, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and stuff, the camera was put in one spot and all the tweaking and moving was or the um, animals and the people and everything. But this was the first camera, I mean, the first stop motion film where they moved the camera inside everything. So they're not just moving all the little pieces one tweak. They'd be like, move the camera, tweak the camera tweak so it could fly in and out of all the yeah. the scenery and stuff and heaven forbid anyone knock into a light in that room <laughs> oh my goodness you don't be messing with the lighting in that room anyway uh is there anything else we have for this minute or so tell us do you remember seeing beetlejuice for the first time as a movie or as a cartoon um, oh, I definitely saw it for the first time as a movie because I think I may have seen the cartoon like once that I can recall clearly and say, yeah, I watched it. I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I did cartoon first. <laughs> and being the old person that I am, I saw Beetlejuice in the theater. <laughs> uh, so any other happy thoughts about Beetlejuice when just as a whole? Um, well, the movie as a whole, I... Well, I was telling Barry earlier, I first watched it um, at daycare because during nap time, they would turn on HBO and usually, you know, they were during the day, they were showing something that was relatively kid appropriate. I mean, this is a PG movie. So, I mean, there's a minute coming up that it's kind of like, I watched this as a very young child, didn't I? I did. So... Um, yeah, so for me, it, it's a reminder of when all the other kids were passed out and I was still awake and I was just watching movies on HBO. <laughs> so the night owl. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not a nap taker. <laughs> Is it time to head on out to minute 63? That's all I really had. That's all I've got.
All right. Well, bye, bye. folks. We'll catch you tomorrow, Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Until next time, save us some popcorn, and we'll see you soon at the Beetlejuice Minute.